is In Safe Hands, brought to you by the Victorian Building Authority. I'm your host, Andy Belairs. The VBA regulates the building and plumbing industries in Victoria. We are responsible for administering the Building Act, building regulations and the National Construction Code across the state. We monitor and enforce building standards and perform critical inspection and audit works of construction sites, as well as buildings that potentially contain high-risk cladding and defects. This series of three podcasts feature presentations made by keynote speakers and experts at the 2021 VBA Surveyors Conference. The conference theme was Reset, Rebuild. 2020 was an unprecedented year in the building industry due to COVID-19, with major lockdowns and restrictions on work sites. However, it also presented the industry with an opportunity to adjust the way we work. The 2021 Surveyors Conference focused on how we can build on that adjustment and learn new ways to collaborate and embrace new technologies that will help the industry rebuild and flourish. This episode features a presentation on how to successfully manage risk by Michael McLennan. Michael is the Director of Strategic Risk Management at RiskCom, a risk management consultancy specialising in business risk, health and safety, organisational change and culture, and hazardous materials solutions. As a consultant, Michael has worked with a wide range of organisations delivering a range of risk services, including the Department of Environment, Land and Water, Department of Human Services, Emergency Management Victoria and major freight and logistics organisations in Australia and around the world. In this episode, Michael sets out a comprehensive overview of risk, from what risk is in relation to surveyors, how to manage it and the frameworks around risk management. He also provides some guidance and examples around maintaining your risk register. A video of Michael's presentation is also available to view in full. Just head to vba.vic.gov.au for links and further information. Michael kicked off his presentation by running through the challenges associated with risk. A big welcome to you all and thank you for attending. I understand there's, uh, we've got a large number of people who have logged into this, uh, this particular breakout session. So, so that's great. Risk is alive and well. One of the things obviously we're faced with um, is the increasing number of challenges within building control. And it's becoming increasingly important, of course, that we, that we do understand these challenges and the risk exposures that we're currently facing with and to put things in place to manage them. So um, welcome again. Of course, with so many people participating in the session, there's probably a number of you who have uh, experience with risk Perhaps there's others who are less experienced with risk. And so I'm hopeful that at the end of the session, you all have got something out of it. There's a bit of information to get through, so I'm intending to get through it reasonably quickly. But again, I hope you find it very interesting. Really, the purpose of the session is just to provide you with some guidance and some understanding of some key concepts and tools that you can use when managing risk. So the session itself, uh, we'll start just by looking at some context first. What are some of the challenges that you're faced with as building surveyors? And then we'll look at what is risk as well, because it's, it's important that we actually get a common understanding of what risk actually is and some of the core key relationships in risk management. So we start the session with a common understanding. We'll then look at the many benefits of risk management, and there are a number that's it just makes good business sense at the end of the day. Now, I've been doing risk management consulting now for over, I guess, 25 years, you know, often you're running workshops and and people roll their eyes at the thought of risk and, you know, can be pretty dull in some eyes. And I, and I, I, can, I guess I can understand that <laughs> to a point. But I also see the benefits that we can achieve by having a really effective risk management programs. So um, we'll look at some of those benefits. Then we'll start digging a little bit deeper into, um, you know, just how we go about managing risk. 
uh, look at risk frameworks, and then we'll look at some examples of risk register. Because the risk register, and again, I'll assume uh, a lot of you are familiar with risk registers. You may have used them in the past or at least heard of them. But a risk register is essentially uh, an outcome of the risk process. And so we'll look at a risk register, an example of that. And it's a tool that you can use after this session as well to go back to your own workplace. So that's a session that we'll be running through. Uh, so starting with some of the challenges and, and the folks uh, who have joined this session will know obviously better than anyone of, of some of the challenges that you're currently facing. And this is particularly targeted at the private building surveyors. With insurance, obviously, there's been significant increasing uh, increases in professional indemnity premiums and excesses in recent years. And this is particularly significant for the sole practitioners out there in terms of building private building surveyors. Of course, there's uh, real exposure if you don't understand contracts right, and so you need to understand the detail to reduce that exposure. So there's risks associated with that, as are risks associated with your pricing and not getting that right. So you need to ensure that your pricing for projects is accurate and you're accounting for all your costs. Of course, there's accepting information in good faith um, in the preparation of building permits, for example, which is risk exposure. And of course, there's also the new code of conduct for building surveyors that was released, I think, back in January this year. So there's a number of things in that which you need to consider also in terms of challenges and, and managing risk. But at the end of the day, with all these challenges, you know, I ask these three questions here now. Do you understand all your key risks and your business exposures? Uh, and are you focusing your mitigation efforts in the right areas? And then are you providing confidence to stakeholders, you know, for example, insurers? Because by managing risks well, being understanding your, your mitigation efforts and, and applying those in the right areas, you're going to be able to provide confidence to your stakeholders. So they're just some of the challenges which, as I said, um, I'm sure you all know very well. So what is risk? By definition, risks are uncertainties which, if they occur, will negatively affect the achievement of your objectives. They may or may not happen. What can stop you achieving what you need to? It's a very simple way of looking at risk, but it's important that we do have a good understanding of what risk is because when we come to identify risk, if we don't get that right, if that part of the risk process right, then it means that a lot of the other information that we collect along the way becomes um, perhaps irrelevant or not meaningful. It's important that we do identify risks properly and to do that we need to understand what actually a risk is. So therefore, what is risk management? It's essentially the practice of identifying potential risks in advance, analysing them and taking action to avoid or reduce the risk. It makes sense. Identify them in advance before they happen, analyse them for priority, you know, because we can't focus all our efforts onto, a bit, you know, all risks that we identify. So we need to analyse them to work out which ones are higher priority and then taking action to avoid or reduce them. We all want to achieve risk management success and that's only really possible through two key components working together. Firstly, we need to have tailored and practical uh, a risk policy, organisational arrangements and processes, and I'll be going through this in a minute, give you more detail on that. But also we need to have a positive culture around leadership attitudes and behaviours. Both those together will ensure risk management, well, perhaps not ensure, will give you the best opportunity to achieve risk management success. Um, you can't have one without the other. You can't have a set of great documents and policies and procedures without positive culture. And you'll see that application in your own workplaces, I'm sure, from time to time where, you know, you might have all the best documents but they're sitting on the shelf but there's no leadership attitudes or behaviours shown around them. So, again, both those together give you the best opportunity to achieve risk management success. Uh, the benefits, there's a number of benefits in doing it right and understanding and managing your risk well. 
organisations have long understood the need to identify and manage risks. If you identify your risks and understand, there's obviously going to be fewer surprises. It certainly contributes to improved decision-making and performance. It contributes to the achievement of objectives because if we remember the definition of risk, it's something that can impact you achieving your objectives. So clearly, effective risk management will contribute to um, your achieving objectives. certainly improves organisational governance and due diligence. You're able to demonstrate understanding of risk and report those through and make people increase people's confidence that you are managing risk well. And of course, it will contribute to regulatory compliance and adherence to the codes, but it provides trust and confidence to stakeholders, for example, for insurance um, when you're managing risk well. It just gives that extra level of trust and confidence. So they're just some of the benefits pretty quickly. As I mentioned, of course, there's a new code of practice for building surveyors. Uh, one of the key aims of the code is to promote public trust and confidence. There's a number of uh, elements within the code that are potential exposures if you don't address them correctly or appropriately. And I've just got some list here. There's a potential for non-compliance, of course, with the Building Act and the regs. Uh, there's a potential for fraudulent activity. Uh, there's a possibility that building surveyors have inappropriate skills, knowledge and experience. Uh, there's also the potential exposure of conflict between a consultant building surveyor and relevant building surveyor. Of course, there's always communication with stakeholders through audits and investigations, and so you're exposed if you don't get that correct. And of course, there's always the possibility of some complaints as well. So again, applying um, basic risk management principles and practices will help you certainly to adhere to the code of practice as you identify these exposures and put things in place to manage them. But at the end of the day, proactive risk management just becomes part of your day-to-day administrative processes. In terms of the risk framework, so now we're drilling into a little bit more detail on the risk itself. There is an international standard on risk management, ISO 31000, and it looks, and a lot of organisations, or most organisations that I've worked with over the last 25, 30 years, will certainly align their risk frameworks to the international standards. So a framework largely comprises two elements. Uh, There's the organisational arrangements, which I like to refer to it as, and that includes your risk policy, roles, responsibilities, communication, uh, making sure that you know, you're communicating risk to the internal and external stakeholders if appropriate. In terms of roles, responsibilities, it's important that we have those clearly defined and people are aware of their roles and accountabilities as far as risk. And with any good business process, of course, we need to have monitoring view mechanisms in place. And when all that's achieved, we're then able to report performance. So that's the organisational arrangements. Then the next element or component of the risk framework is the risk process. And this is what's probably a bit more familiar to people in the session today, starting with the risk context. And that's just really before you undertake a risk assessment, understanding what the assessment is going to be, what's the scope around it. Just confirm what are the objectives that you're actually trying to achieve as a business, because that helps you identify the risks into the next stage. So with risk identification, that's obviously one of the key things we need to do is to identify our risks. I've got that described in three elements. First, clearly, we need to describe the risk. Then it's really important to identify what's causing the risk as well. And we can list a number of causes for a particular risk. And it's important we do this because if we can actually manage or mitigate the causes, it might mean that we end up with no risk at all, which would be great, or at least we reduce the risk. So it's good to identify causes of risk so we can then hopefully reduce or avoid altogether um, the risk from occurring. It's important also that we describe the impacts of the risk should it occur So from risk identification, we go on to the next stage of the risk process, which is risk analysis. And here's we identify what we're currently doing in what we're currently doing to manage these particular risks. It could be a number of controls you've got around procedures and policies. It could be some training that you undertake regularly. 
So these are all examples of current controls that you have to manage the particular risk that you've identified. And then go on to our first risk assessment. Again, some of you on uh, in the session today will have been exposed to consequence and likelihood, but we look at the consequence of the risk actually, if it does happen, what are the consequences? And then the likelihood, if the risk was to occur, you know, how likely do we expect it to occur? And then a combination of our consequence and likelihood gives us our, our risk rating and it could be extreme or it could be moderate or it could be low, ideally. Once we've worked out our current risk rating, then we move on to the next stage. And this stage, risk evaluation, is probably I've found working with a range of organisations, both public and private sector over the years, is the part of the risk process that's least well understood and adopted. It's risk evaluation. Some of you may have heard and risk appetite and risk tolerance. It's really important because this risk evaluation stage helps us determine if we want to accept the risk or not. For example, after we've done our current risk rating and determine that, we might actually accept that risk. Uh, and this is where a risk appetite and risk evaluation stage comes in. So it's really important for decision-making because it, it dictates then um, what type of risk treatment that we need to do into the future. So risk treatment essentially, mean, essentially means coming up with a range of actions and things that you need to do in the future to further reduce that risk. And once we've identified those, then we can, again, do a second risk assessment of consequence and likelihood to end up with a treated risk rating. So obviously, if the objective is if we have a current risk rating of extreme, for example, and we've applied a whole range of really good risk treatments and actions, we want that extreme current risk rating to, uh, to be reduced to, um, let's say, a, a moderate or even a low, ideally, a low treated risk rating. Some organisations won't necessarily do that second assessment, but I always encourage clients to do it because it really does show the benefit of implementing risk treatment and it helps justify if you can show that you've reduced a, a risk from you know extreme to high extreme to high or extreme to low it really helps justify the expense that you need to go to sometimes with implementing these additional risk treatments so again i find it really useful and i always recommend to clients to actually do that second stage of risk assessment because they can see the benefit in implementing that treatment of implementing quality systems because you actually move the risk from a medium to a low. So I've gone through some information fairly quickly. There's a lot of information. Um, some of it might be new. Some of it might, you, a lot of you may have seen that before. But essentially what we've gone through is looked at some of the challenges that you're currently facing and then the importance of, of implementing really good, robust risk management systems to help you actually manage them going ahead, some of these challenges that you're facing. We looked at the risk framework again, which is you know, based on international standards, and then the risk register, which is, the, um, which, is, which is a tool, and you can use this tool in your own workplace after this you know, going forward. If anyone has any questions or follow-up after this, obviously my contact details are there, and if you need any assistance with your risk management programs, you know, please don't hesitate. But thank you, and thanks for joining. I hope you've all got something out of it. That was Michael McLennan, the Director of Strategic Risk Management at RiskCom, a risk management consultancy specialising in business risk, health and safety, organisational change and culture, and hazardous material solutions. For more information or to view Michael's presentation in full, head to the VBA website. That's vba.vic.gov.au. You'll find all the presentations to the 2021 Surveyors Conference there too. Join us next time as Professor George Zelanti discusses the roles and accountabilities associated with the building process.